Welcome back to A Conflict of Interest. This is Mike Giacopelli. I want to thank Lyle Clemens for joining me on the last episode. I, I brought him on because I wanted to listen to the perspective of a mediator who brings together parties and works day in and day out trying to resolve conflict. If you haven't listened to it yet and have any interest in how mediators see conflict, I encourage you to check it out. During today's podcast, we're going to explore culture and leadership and supporting and mentoring attorneys in a conflict-rich environment with Angie Ayanu. She's the co-managing partner of Lewis Brisbois Hartford, Connecticut office. We're going to dig into culture and think about how it is developed and how individuals can affect it. Under this umbrella, we'll also see how mentoring and supporting attorneys can help build a positive work environment. Shortly before recording this episode, I was reading Culturize by Jimmy Cassis, who's an educator. My wife, an elementary school teacher in New Jersey, recommends books by leaders in her field, and this is one of them that really transcends disciplines. There are so many great stories and quotes from Culturize, and I think they make a great introduction to this episode where we explore culture and leadership. Cassis quotes John Wooden to note that a leader's most powerful ally is his or her own example. And you'll hear during our conversation that Angie leads by example. Cassis later adds that the most effective leaders are always learning and are willing to share their expertise in hopes that someone will benefit in some way. He continues that leadership is not just about how we behave when we know what to do. Rather, it's best seen in the actions we take when we don't know what to do. So as we begin this episode, I'm also reminded of Simon Sinek, who had a great TED Talk uh, and wrote books, Start, Start With Why and Leaders Eat Last. And he had a call that said, we should work to be the boss or leader that we want our son or daughter to have when they enter the workforce. I think this is a great way to reframe the challenge and incredible responsibility of leadership. If we see it from this perspective, making sure that we are being the type of leader that we want our children to have, I think it can create workplace cultures where teams flourish. And as Sinek had said, a team is not a group of people who work together. A team is a group of people who trust each other. I'm so excited to have Angie join us on this podcast. And I hope you enjoy this episode of A Conflict of Interest. Welcome back to A Conflict of Interest. Today on the episode, we have Angie Ayanu, the co-managing partner of the Hartford, Connecticut office of Lewis Brisbois. She's an experienced litigator who focuses her practice on healthcare matters with an extensive background defending professional malpractice claims on behalf of nursing homes, physicians, and nurses. Her background also includes defending complex tort and commercial liability claims involving wrongful death and catastrophic injuries. Angie is active in the Defense Research Institute, DRI, and has most recently served as program chair for nursing home and assisted living seminars. She has been a presenter and panelist for various organizations over the years, focusing on healthcare issues and also women's issues in big law. She is licensed to practice in the state of New York and in the state and federal courts in Connecticut. Angie, thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Is there anything you'd like to add about your background? Uh, other than I'm um, third year at Lewis Brisbois, and I'm uh, very honored to be its managing partner and to help bring uh, the firm uh, more um, awareness you know, in the Northeast area, along with my other colleagues who also serve as managing partners uh, here in New England. Um, I'm thrilled, thrilled to have you on this episode. Uh, we're thrilled to have you at the firm. Um, so today's episode, I, I really want to talk about culture 
and leadership. And then with that, hopefully we can get into the point where we're talking about mentoring and supporting our young attorneys. And so to start, you know, I think culture is really, it's the character and it's the personality of the organization, of the firm. And it's, it's our responsibility to make sure there's a safe work environment. Um, otherwise, the organization is not going to thrive. So culture is key in every profession. Culture is key in our profession. How do you create a positive culture in your office? Well, I appreciate that question very much, Mike, and I would agree with you. And uh, fortunately, Lewis Brisbois really allows us to uh, create um, a culture of inclusion, of diversity, and quite frankly, of happiness in the law. And what we like to do in Hartford, um, it's very, you know, we're, we're small but growing. And uh, some of the things that we do is we recognize birthdays um, on a monthly basis, which I think, you know, little things like that mean more to people than just straight up compensation. They want to feel appreciated. They want to feel recognized. And I think they want to feel that their organization um, knows them as a person and not just as um, a bot sitting on a desk, you know, producing widgets for them, or in our case, the billable hour. So what we also do is we do a breakfast uh, the first Friday of uh, every month. And then we kind of do like pop-up events, you know, if you will. And sometimes we'll do a lunch and sometimes we'll do, you know, just, you know, dessert or sometimes I'll even show up. Uh, I'll go downstairs to one of our local like shops and I'll just bring up some treats, especially when we have uh, somebody visiting us from another office, which uh, fortunately is frequent. Um, even if it's just um, Leary, uh, the IT gentleman uh, from New York, you know, and it's his first time in Hartford. So we want to make him feel welcome. So, you know, we bring him some snacks. Um, and I think the second thing we do is this, we always make sure that we, um, what I think I try to do, lead by example. Um, I'm there uh, in the morning and I'm there till the close of business hours or longer if I need to be. Um, I'm available to ask questions. I'm on my phone uh, as many hours of the day as is necessary to answer a question from the staff or one of the attorneys. And I, you know, I can be personally frustrated with whatever's going on with the case or whatnot, but you don't take it out on people. Mm -hmm. And you're always friendly and you answer their questions and you, and you do your best. And uh, finally, I think you explain to them why an issue is important. Um, so part of the culture, of course, is, is not only knowing people on a personal level and making them feel welcome, but also recognizing their job, recognizing the difficulties they have in their job and answering questions and explaining to them why things are important. Even if it's somebody that's the file clerk, you need to explain to them why um, organizing things and putting things in areas where you can find them is important from the secretary to the paralegal to the managing partner. I think if they know that, that they're invested. And I'm invested, and I believe everybody else in Connecticut is invested, and new people, and even somebody who, you know, you want to make sure that they're there and invested with you. That, that's such a refreshing answer. Um, and I, I, I thank you for that. It, it, it seems as if uh, you, you're celebrating everything, and it's not even just, um, birthdays it, it it sounds like it, it goes well beyond that it's, it's celebrating the successes of, of the of the team of the group and um the positive culture the positive environment that you're creating that then trickles down to all the attorneys and hopefully um each attorney understands that they are part of a team and you know i, I think that uh you know a team team's not a group of people that work together uh, i think that's a firm the team. team is the firm. Yeah. And it's, it's really a group of people that trust each other, that rely upon each other. Um, so how else do you get to know your attorneys? I talk to everybody every morning that's there and I say hi. 
and it cuts into my time, but I make it up on the back end and I uh, stop in at least once a week to chat with everybody to see how it's going, um, to ask them about their workload, to ask them if um, you know, they're having any, any difficulties, do they have enough work, do they have too little work, uh, do you have any issues, do you want to talk about a case? Um, and, you know, little thing, you know, little things like that. And, you know, and, uh, you know, recognizing people's successes. I mean, I saw an email uh, just this week that went out uh, by my, uh, my esteemed partner, Ken Walton, who I'm extremely fond of. And uh, he was working on a matter with one of the attorneys based in my office, Christy Centeno. And, you know, she got summary judgment on an employment matter. And he sent out an email and it happened to be Christy's birthday. So I sent him a follow follow up email saying, and even on her birthday, you know, and I just I feel it's just so important to make people feel good because you know you can throw a million dollars at people, and if they're miserable, then what is that million dollars really going to do for somebody? You know, I think you know obviously compensation is important, but recognition and feeling like you matter, um, you know, is equally important. You know, could I could any of us get a job somewhere else and we get paid more widgets? Probably, you know, but would we be happy? Probably not. You know, so I think that we try to hit the balance of that. And I think that that's what, that's really what culture is all about. And oh, go ahead. I just, the final thing I want to say is I think it's important that women in our firm see that we have women managing offices and I'm not the only one in Lewis Brisbois that does that. And, um, and Lewis Brisbois is committed to that. And they put a lot of confidence in me and the other women uh, managers around the firm. And I think that that matters when people are looking inside and outside looking in. So as, as a female attorney um, growing up and, and obviously not part, being part of the, the culture that you are building, what was your experience you know, from growing up to the present position? Um, I think you're overlooked and ignored. And I've, I've been in the business now, I'm going to date myself, like, you know, more than 20 years. And I don't want to say that I was treated badly necessarily, but I think I was overlooked be in favor of, of male attorneys. I think that there was a perception that I was gonna get married and have a kid and you know shuffle off stage left. Um, and that women couldn't balance that. And you know, um, I am married, I do have a kid and I'm still here and, I'm, and that, that, that never happened, clearly. I didn't shuffle off stage left, you know? And so many other people don't do that either. Uh, many of the women I spoke to in New York, I know that they, they, you know, they, they have family lives, but they're very active in the firm. So that's a myth. And I think women are breaking that like all the time. Um, I think as a young woman, you don't get picked for the tough assignments. You don't get invested in because they think you're going to, you know, drop out of the profession, you know, for any reason. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that it's just, it's just harder to kind of like jump up and get, and get recognized. Um, you kind of get, you know, you're a little bit blending into the background. And that was the one thing that I found to be the most difficult. I think there was just a lack of investment uh, in my me and my abilities from you know going forward and you know as a result you just have to kind of you know make your voice known um i've, I've always told people that you know if you're if you don't speak up for yourself no one will um or if they don't know what you want then they're not going to give it to you so um you know historically i think men have not been shy about asking for what they want in terms of, of type of work in terms of type of cases in terms of type of salary in terms of, of types of positions and i think women have and maybe I'd be overgeneralizing, but I've waited for that to come to them. There's, you can't do that. You know, we're not mind readers as managers. You know, I don't, men and women, you're not a mind reader. You have, if, you, if you have an attorney in your office that wants to take their career from point A to point B, then it is the responsibility of the attorney to tell you what the direction of the career they want to be in. Now, on the reverse side, I think it's your responsibility as a manager to be receptive 
and to let people know that they can and should have those conversations with you. And I would like to say that having gone through a couple of the, um, you know, review processes at the firm now, um, you know, uh, since my time as managing partner, um, that the firm invites that discussion. The directive is to go out and talk to people about where they want to go and what they would like uh, every year. Um, but, you know, we don't have to wait for that. You know, I want everybody to know that and encourage everybody that's listening to this that um, just have a conversation with, with your mentor, with the person who gives you files, maybe it's not your managing partner or the person on your senior person on your team that you work with closer and, and tell them what they want about your career, what's going right, what's going wrong, and work together uh, to try and get everybody what they want. And without so communication, it, you don't have that. So in addition to just creating a, an open space where, where they can feel free to share and say what they want how do you how do you how else do you empower female attorneys uh in your office in the field well i hire them you see the ratio in my office <laughs> um i think you you know it just it, it, a lot of it is letting people empower themselves and giving them the opportunity to do that you know i don't have a magic wand mm. that says okay you are now empowered with this case you know i think you just you, you put trust in people men and women to do the things that, that they need to do and to make it um an environment where people aren't afraid to ask questions um and treating everybody you know the same as well whether they're the file clerk or whether they're your most senior partner you know in your office is to keep your door open and um and talk about case assignments and, and that kind of thing so i'm not really sure i'm answering your question but i hope i am no it's it, it's good and and from from my perspective um you know we have young uh, mothers on my team uh we have young um female attorneys on my team do you have any thoughts on how uh maybe the male attorneys can help support female attorneys in the law firms I think uh, kind of adopt a little bit of what I'm talking about, um, and maybe maybe what they could do is maybe they could you know if, if and I'm sure that they uh, listen. I'm, I've met everybody you know for the most part, and I think you know maybe if they think that they're you know have an open door, maybe just maybe just remind people that there's an open door, and just do a check in, mm. you know, not necessarily even around um, you know compensation review time, but just do like a you know like a 90 day or 120 day check in with people. And, um, you know, take the lead in doing that. Look, we're busy. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I can only imagine how busy someone like Greg Katz is who runs your office <laughs> when he's got like, you know, 15 times the attorneys and the people responsible for him that I have. But I'll tell you something that I've never had a problem getting a hold of Greg and I'm not in his office, <laughs> you know, and I'm sure he does a check in and the other, the other leaders that you have in your office, men and women um, that are there. Uh, but I think just, just let people know that they can do that with you that you have an open door um, and you know, cause sometimes look, we get busy and I don't think anybody purposefully shuts, the, shuts people out in terms of not being approachable, but sometimes everybody needs a reminder that it's okay to have a check-in and see, you know, what are you doing? What can we do better? Do you feel comfortable? You know, and then also just like get, maybe getting to know people better, noticing what they're doing, noticing who is asking, for example, to attend a bar association event and who isn't mm -hmm. notice who is putting together a marketing plan for themselves, you know, no, who's asking about, you know, how do I get to point A, from point A to point B? You mentioned uh, trust a little bit as part of this process and, and trust obviously is, is so important for culture. Um, how, do you, how do you gain and how do you keep the trust in your team? Well, um, you say what you mean and mean what you say. I follow that in my personal life and it seems to work as a manager. 
um, be candid, be honest, and be reliable. Because if someone on your team or elsewhere uh, doesn't feel like you were straight up with them, they're not going to trust you. And sometimes, you know, you can talk about bad news, you know, and sometimes you'd have to tell people things they don't want to hear. But I think you need to be respectful, you need to be candid, and you need to explain why. Uh, because people have questions, they need to answer those questions. You know, why didn't I get um, a bigger bonus, for example? Well, the answer is you need to build more hours, or you need to do this, you need to do that. Um, or why didn't I, you know, what do I need to do to get like a different raise? Well, you need to get clients. How do I get clients? Well, let me help you with that. Okay, and that's how, you know, and then and also like if something is within your control or without your control, then be candid about that too. Maybe you shouldn't overestimate, you know, the quote unquote power or influence that you have in a certain area. Maybe just be honest and then, you know, let somebody and then connect somebody with somebody else who can help them. Because let's face it, we've got a whole bunch of resources here. We're not acting on an island. And that's how I feel you do that. It's not about, I mean, I can buy them cookies, sure. But what I do is I, um, you know, I want to be, I want to be candid with them. Yes, we'll do this. Yes, we can't do that. And here's why. So they trust your word and your deed. I think I think that's a really important point about being also aware of what you don't know and what you can or cannot help them with. And I think that type of honesty really goes a long way. And, a, a, you know, a leader in a group is allowed to say, I need your help or I don't know something. Um, and you're also allowed to talk about your own failures. And I think that that helps build the culture. You know, do, do you find that uh, do you find that true that that a leader such as yourself uh, the, the managing partner of the office is free to talk about their missteps along the way to maybe help grow the office. Missteps? We don't have any missteps. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, the issue really is that, you know, you, I can't be, you're right. I can't be afraid to ask for help within my office and without my office. Because if you don't recognize when you need an extra pair of hands, then bad things can happen to your files. Because I can't do everything. As much as I like to think that I can do everything, I can't. And I have um, different, um, different um, obligations on my time, maybe, that other people don't. For example, I do feel it's my responsibility to make sure that Connecticut grows and to make sure that the people in the area know that we're the biggest firm in Connecticut. Um, and I joke, uh, but I'm half serious, that we're the biggest firm that, in Connecticut that no one's heard of yet. Hmm. Um, because we are, and uh, you know, and as such, I have to do an element of visibility, and that's why I, um, you know, you work double duty. You go to a seminars, and you put on your Lewis Brisbois Hartford badge proudly, and you submit um, speaking proposals, and you do you write your articles so that the community hears you. I mean, I can't just I don't have the luxury, frankly, of just handling my cases anymore. I handle my cases, and I have to handle a lot of other things to make sure that other people get cases. Um, and continue to get cases, not just for myself, but the other people that work in the office and for the people I haven't hired yet. You, you, you've spoken a lot about this. Um, you know, you go and check in with your attorneys. Do you do that face-to-face? -face? Do you do it by email? How do you check in? I usually check in face-to-face -face because I'm, I try to be there as much as possible. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's difficult when I've, I've been traveling, for example, this week that you're getting me. <clears throat> two weeks ago, I, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I spoke at CLM. Um, and then... Uh, this last week, I just came back from Nashville on Friday because I was at the DRI Medical Liability uh, Conference. And then next week, I'm going to, to Crittenden. I can never pronounce that right. But <laughs> and these are all really good sources of client referrals. In fact, DRI has been probably my number one um, source of client referrals and relationship you know, building outside the firm. 
but you still, I call, pick up the phone when I'm away. I talk to my associate uh, every day. I talk to my assistant every day and I email people. And then when I come back in the office, um, I'll be back tomorrow on Monday. And I really haven't been there consistently for a couple of weeks. I will walk down the hall and I will talk to every single person when I come in that I see and spend a few minutes chatting with them before I go into my office and I will do a check-in. Yeah, I find that um, we want to engage so much and we want our attorneys to engage so much with us, but then we get caught sometimes with the email and it's so easy to send the email. And I find myself, you know, I'm, I'm constantly um, trying to learn and trying to grow, but I'll send an email to the attorney sitting 10 feet away saying, come see me, you know, that sort of thing. So, so I'm trying to get better. Yeah. Really great to like hear that. that. I don't like that because you know what, um, here's this kind of, it's kind of silly, but like when I was, um, my father was an engineer when I was young and, uh, and he, I, and I thought that he wanted to talk to me about like getting in trouble or whatever. He would say, I need to talk to you in his little deep voice. And then, so I hear, you know, I need to talk to you. is like something bad, which is so silly, you know, but so I think we need to pick up the phone a lot more. And I think we should do that for our clients, frankly, mm. because emails can often be misunderstood. And I think, you know, I mean, I don't want to, you know, it's not professional to put a smiley face on it, an emoji on it all the time, you know, like you can pick up the phone, uh, leave a message and you can follow that up with a voice bill. Hello, I just left you a message. You know, you know, I'd like to, I want to connect. Um, you can use different words, you know, want to connect, want to touch base, reach out, um, whatever it may be. But I, I think we really, in this age of technology where it's so easy to talk to people um, through nonverbal usage, if you will. <laughs> then, you know, you, you really should try and reach out. I mean, um, I think it's great if you can't, you know, listen, a lot of us burn the midnight oil, I'm traveling, I obviously can't pick up the phone on a plane, and then I can send an email back at that point. I'm on a plane, <laughs> but I want to touch base with you when I land or whatever, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, I mean, I think your voice is really sometimes your most powerful tool because people can hear, you know, what you want to talk to them about in a way. You know, they can hear the friendliness in your voice or they can hear that you're upset about something or disappointed or stressed. You know, you don't know, you know, you can be like, I want to have a picnic and people will be like, oh my God, what did I do? Why are we having a picnic? You know, it's just email does not really translate that well. No, and it, it's, it's um, for, for you to acknowledge that, you know, you, we're going to talk about mentoring a little bit, but that's part of it that you're helping develop the human skills, these soft skills and your example of, I'm going to come and talk to you one on, you know, face-to-face one-on-one about this, you know, technology is so ever present in our lives. Um, you're trying to remind them that it's the personal relationships that do count. It's picking up the phone to the client. It's it's reaching out to your adversary instead of sending a uh, a mean good faith letter. Yeah. You know? And so, I, uh, how else do you develop these human skills that, that you're trying to to teach our the young attorneys? Uh, you know, I think we really promote uh, you know conversation, and I also tell them that um, I also want to instill the responsibility aspect, is yeah. I think a lot of young attorneys. Um, don't understand that that they're, I'm not responsible for them, or I may I am responsible for them, but I'm not responsible for everything they do. Or I am responsible. They need to understand the responsibility that they have to me, and that I have to them, and that they have they have for the uh, work that a staff person does, and uh, and the accountability. I think it, you know not enough attention is paid in law school to remind attorneys that they are that their license is on the line if a paralegal makes a mistake. <laughs> um, and they maybe assume that if a paralegal is you know more experienced than they are then they know more than they do they might but it's still your responsibility to make sure that something gets done to make sure that deadlines are met you can't just email your legal assistant please file this and then not follow up and make sure that that is done 
Um, and I, I talk to them about, about that and that they have to take personal responsibility and follow up because, you know, I have had that experience with, with associates. They say, well, I asked so-and-so to do it. I said, and then what did you do after that? Mm-hmm. And then if the answer is nothing, then that's a problem because the answer usually is never nothing after that. You got to make sure you got to follow up. You're, you're responsible for them. Just like I'm responsible for you and you're responsible to me. So I think you need to let them know like where um, the relationships lie and how they, the, how they interplay. And those are things that they don't teach you in law school. I'm not sure how much they teach you in your professional responsibility class that, you're, that your license is on the line if, you're, if your paralegal misses a filing, but you are. So you, you miss, you know, you're, one of your attorneys miss, misses a filing or does something that is, um, it could potentially hurt a client. Um, and so are you placing blame on that person? How do you, how do you address uh, the issue directly with them? If, they, if they've made a mistake, um, you know, obviously when, when, you're, when you're placing blame on somebody, you're, you're not giving them enough <laughs> feedback and you're not telling them what was wrong. You're just saying, well, it was your fault. You know, like, how do you address? Those- I don't believe in that. You don't do that. You, it's, it's exactly about what I just said. It's about responsibility. And I have had mistakes that have occurred. People have missed deadlines. And so there's certain things that can be fixed and certain things that can't be fixed. Believe it or not, in Connecticut, most things can be fixed. Okay, there are, I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to do a tour outline here about what can be, what cannot be fixed, but most things can be fixed. And um, just like when you're a parent, you don't want your kid to be afraid to tell you something. You can't have your associate or your partners be afraid to tell you something. Okay, you can't instill that level of fear. Yeah, it's that culture of trust. Right, right. That you, that you have to make sure that they let you know that, that they have to tell you immediately if a mistake is made. Because if they don't, the late, longer they wait, the less opportunity there is to fix it. And then you have to tell them why there was a mistake, what the consequences of the mistake are, and then how to resolve the mistake. Um, and if you don't go through that whole process, then I think more mistakes will be made and mistakes will be buried. The worst thing, <clears throat> and please, for any associate that's listening to this, the worst thing you could ever do is bury a mistake. Mm. Worst thing you could do is bury a mistake. You have to, you have to dig, you have to fess up and you have to tell people what happened so that somebody can fix it. Because you know who you're hurting? You're not hurting yourself. You're not hurting me. You're hurting the firm and you're hurting your client. And those are the number one people that we're responsible to. It's the client. And guess what? The corporate entities, client incorporated has people that work there. Okay. It's not just ink. It's not some amorphous body that is brick and mortar and nobody's there. There's people there. And those people hired you, me, the firm. So you're accountable to those people and their jobs are on the line and it could be. So remember that it's not, it's not, you know, something different. So that's what you need to encourage them to tell you immediately. You have to show them how to fix it. You have to take steps to fix it. And then you have to go back and take them through the whole process, explain to them why it was wrong. And yeah, you're allowed to be mad. That's a human emotion. You're allowed to be upset about it and you're allowed to be disappointed. But don't let that cloud the issue. And the issue is to make sure that somebody can come to you and then you can fix the problem. Then you can be mad later. So, so let's, let's step that down to, um, okay, so now there's not a mistake being made, but I need help on a brief. You know, how, how do you give feedback to your attorney? Says, you know, we're, we're in plenty of time. We're not late for anything. But a, a, an attorney is just not writing something as well or not grasping a concept as well. How do you provide feedback to that um, attorney? I wish my associate Cassandra were here because she would <laughs> tell you, but I look at it and I, and I say things in, in good nature. I say, what is this gobbledygook? 
<laughs> and I said, I don't understand what you're saying. I, and then I remind people that, you know, who the audience is that they're mm -hmm. writing for. Um, when you get a new, newer associate, I think sometimes they're used to writing, um, writing memos, but not advocating for their client. So you want to kind of redo it a little bit and, and then show them the difference between how it should be and what they did. A lot of the mistakes that I see, if you will, in brief writing that's not, that, that's not up to snuff is that people are not advocating and you're advocating in every step of the process and people remember that. And I say, so look what I said about the same fact and look at what you said about the same fact, which sounds like you're advocating while you're doing a persuasive argument. Um, so there's one way. And the second way is you say, I, if you know something that is that a law that you know is updated or that you know from your experience level has not been thoroughly fleshed out, you just say, hey, look, there needs to be more meat on the bones here. That's what one of my mentors used to say to me all the time. Meat on the bones, meat on the bones, meat on the bones. It's like ingrained mm -hmm. in my head. I'm like, this isn't, you know, this isn't enough. You know, is the judge going to grant this? Um, you got to go back and you got to redo it and you have to add more to it. The argument is too thin. Um, and those are the two important ways that I think I give feedback with regard to brief writing. And it is on that note, Mike, it, it's important to make people have deadlines. And your deadlines to them should not be the day before a brief is due. Because guess what? You got a lot of other stuff going on. So I try to give people at least, you know, several days. Cushion. So I have to have time to read it. And I also tell people, you can't give it to me the day before it's due. That's not acceptable. The day before it's due to the court is not the day before it's due to you. Because I need to review it. And, I have, and my name is going on that. And I need to make sure that you know, we're on the same page. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's meat on the bones. It's up to snuff. It's as thorough as it, as it could be. Do, do you uh, create or, or encourage an environment where the, the team is given feedback to each other. You know, like it's a it's a process uh, amongst the attorneys, or is it? Well, I, I hope so. I mean, we're small. I mean, you know, I'm not uh, you know I'm not the only person in there, so I hope that they're doing that with each other and the people who are working together, you know, on things. I mean, again, that's all about communication. You know, what you're you're using as feedback to each other really is is about communication. And I also I like to make sure that um, you know people work with each other because you know everybody's going to need help. You know, we're a small office and, you know, we, we, we're, we're going to hire some more people in the you know, near future and, in, you know, and in the more distant future. But, um, you know, we're not islands, you know, hmm. so hopefully we are. And I, you know, I do encourage people to maybe talk about cases. And I appreciate the fact that people do come to me and ask me about case values um, or strategy. Um, and I think they ask each other that as well. I mean, I do come in and I see I hear people talking to each other. So I assume that they're not just talking about what happened over the weekend, you know, that they are still talking about work. <laughs> and, and it might not be uh, feedback. Um, you know, we're, you, you mentor down a lot you to your attorneys and you try to share some of your experiences with them. Is, are there situations where there's a mentoring up, you know, we, we, with young attorneys who have just, you know, they're fresh out of law school and they have a different perspective and they, and they don't have the experiences, but they have the, uh, a way of seeing the world that's different. Like, do, do you, how do you welcome feedback and, and mentoring up? I just asked them to tell me their thought process mm. and what they were thinking and why they did it a certain way that they did. Uh, because, you know, the other important thing is that they're not me and they should not be necessarily writing something that sounds exactly like me. They're them, you know, like the way I sound in a brief or in a letter report to a client is going to be different than what they sound like. Okay. And they should be themselves. Um, but, you know, I may not be seeing something. And I just ask them, well, what is the thought process about that? Why did you do that? And then sometimes, very often it's explained, oh, I did it this way because of this. And I was like, okay, great. Now I understand we can leave it. I just ask how, why. That, that's great. How do you handle um, 
like a negative force in the group. You know, if there's somebody that you, you try to build this great positive culture and you got this great team going, but there is a force there <clears throat> bringing it down. How do you deal well, with that? Um, I don't like to give it energy. Mm. Um, and we do have, sometimes people have a, you know, I guess what you're talking about is like labeled as a bad attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, I think um, I like to um, kind of confront that because it, it's almost like acting out. Like what is, what is driving that? Okay. What is somebody really unhappy about that makes them have a negative attitude or X, Y, and Z? Like what's the root of the problem? And if you're a supervisor or managing partner or whatever, um, you know, then that's, I think it's your responsibility to address. And I, you know, I do have some resources with which I address that. I, my OA is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, Val Price, Irvin, and uh, I call her and I say, Hey, blankety blank, this happened, you know, how do you suggest that I, that I deal with it? And a lot of times she runs interference for me mm -hmm. and um, gives me a, a new perspective because that's, you know, that's their role, you know, that they have the, the more touchy feely HR role, I think that, you know, than you have. Um, and you kind of just say, you know, I think there's something wrong with so-and-so, you know, they've been a little snarky or they've been upset about something like, you know, I don't know what's up. And she'll say, Oh, I'll, I'll reach out. And you, very often you find that, you know, somebody could have something in their personal life. So I'm going to be, they're upset about something. And again, uh, you know, they're disillusioned about something. And again, it goes back to communicate. So if someone's being, you know, a bad attitude about something that I think they're just acting out and they're really just mad about something and you need to figure out what it is. And then if they continue to have bad attitude, you just honestly, you have to say, look, <clears throat> we don't play that way here. That's not what we do. So please check it at the door mm. and you got to treat people with respect. And we've had those situations in the past, like among staff members, where you've had people who have had like conflicts and honestly, you put them in a room and you tell them to work it out because you're adults and they have to put their personal issues aside for the greater good of the organization. And you don't want to say my way or the highway, but you want to be like, you guys got to figure it out. Yeah. And, and there's a, my, my wife's an educator and, you know, she constantly uh, sends me um, articles or, or books by some leaders in the field, some thought uh, leaders in the field. And George Koros is one. And he's always said, like, we need to make the positive so loud that the negative becomes almost impossible to hear. And it's right. that, that's kind of what's going on there. You know, we don't play that way here. Um, and this is our culture and this is what we're building. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, you know, when, when you and I were talking early was how much you put into mentoring the young attorneys you know what what are the areas that you find it so important to mentor young attorneys in um one thing i think it's the their, their responsibility that they have to make sure they exercise over staff members um and the second thing depending on you know what your def definition of young whether you mean that they're an associate whether they're you know like a newly minted partner um i think you talk a lot of them about building a book of business and or finding out like where they want to be I mean, look, you know, in this firm, you know, we have every, you know, there's not one size fits all. There's a role for everybody. And some people are comfortable in a more of a service oriented role. Um, and some people are more, com are more comfortable in a hybrid role. And some people really want to go out there and I want to get my book. I want to get clients, you know. So I think you talk to them about, about, you know, how you, maybe how you did it or pair them up with somebody who can talk about how what you need to do to get clients. And, and you know, I think what is universal though for everybody is that you need to do good work for the client that you have. <laughs> because if you're not working, if you're not doing good work for the client that you have so that they can send you, you know, more, you know, additional case referrals, then what are you gonna do with a client that you don't have? Because a lot of this business is referral. And you know, I'm fortunate enough that I, I, I continue to meet and I have met a lot of claims people, a lot of people that are in a position to work with Lewis Brisboy now, in the past or in the future. And, you know, one thing that, that they always tell me is that they hire people. They don't always hire law firms. 
I think being with a great law firm certainly helps, but they hire people. So you want to, you want to mentor these people about, about being people and being the lawyer they can count on and then communicating with them as well. You know, um, something as simple as, did you see a case in Connecticut that maybe changed the way that a discovery um, issue is going to be addressed mm. or a new ruling or something that might be of interest in their practice? Well, let's write it up. You know, you got to do the non-billable work to get the billable work. You know, it's almost like you can't make money without spending money. Well, <laughs> so I try to talk to them. I try to talk to everybody about that. In the in the few minutes that we have uh, left, I, I have uh, I want your advice on things. Um, you know, we we deal with so much stress in mm -hmm. a law firm. You know, how do you manage and handle a stressful day? You know, your managing partner. You've got a ton of cases, you've got a ton of responsibility, and a lot of the people that are working with you are relying on you. So how, do you how do you handle that day to day? Um, you, you have to make time for, for self-care at points in your life. You, know? you have to have self-care. And sometimes you got to like turn it off. And uh, you know, what got me through law school is um, I would cook and have a decent mm -hmm. meal at home. And uh, especially it was great when you're on a budget you know, to be able to cook, uh, uh, you know, for your friends and then, and then study. So I, I, I actually take a dinner break is I just, I do what I'm going to do and I just get up and I just go home and I'll stop by, you know, the grocery store and I'll pick up whatever and I'll just take, you know, 90 minutes or whatever and I'll make some food and I'll eat it. And then I will just decompress with that. And then I will pick up the computer again um, and then do something. Uh, the other thing that I do is, is I do work on the weekends. And fortunately, I, I, I enjoy the work that I do. So, um, you know, my dad always told me, and I always, I've heard this expression before, if you do what you love, you're not really working. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I make some time to do, um, to, to compartmentalize and do certain things. For example, in the, every morning I'm up you know, fairly early at six, I make some coffee and I get on my computer and I answer administrative things and deal with some quote unquote non-billable items that I have to deal with. Even if it's as simple as really as a, approving a invoice for payment in, um, in the system. Okay. And just get these little things out of the way, you and, know, and, and, so, and that relieves the stress, set up your day, you know, set up your day. Um, it, so you, you've just gone to a mediation or you just finished a trial or you just finished a presentation and something just wasn't sitting right with you. Do you practice self-reflection? Do you, do you look back and, and take note and how do you grow? How do you grow as an attorney? talk to other people about it you know I'm married to an attorney so you know well I don't talk about specific cases you know I could talk about specific situations and I'm fortunate I have a lot of friends and I say eh, you know and, and a lot of friends that aren't you know I met a lot of friends through DRI that you know aren't uh, aren't part of the firm you know so if anybody is feels that they might be embarrassed for whatever reason to tell a colleague within the firm I hope you all have support resources outside of the firm you know friends that you went to law school whatever to say you know what about this what do you think about this um, and then try to just, you know, get some, get some advice, you know, from outside. Uh, and I think, you know, hopefully that's helpful. And then uh, finally, I am, uh, I'm raising a, a daughter. I have a five-year-old daughter. She's in kindergarten. I have a son. He's two. Um, but what advice do you have for young girls growing up in the world today? You, uh, you know, I think uh, you can do whatever you want to do. You don't, don't, you know, like, and no, no is never no. No just means not yet sometimes. Mm. But I don't believe in the word no. No is not right now. 
no is well maybe not this opportunity but no is never no is not never so my advice for anybody is that you know no just means that that particular thing is not the right fit for you but it doesn't mean that you can't have whatever that thing may symbolize for example if you don't get a, a part in the school play all right well that just means it's that particular role that's not right for you but it doesn't mean like like you're not an actress <laughs> or you know, forever you don't get that you don't get a, a so somebody that you like doesn't want to date you. Well, you know, that's probably a blessing because they're, prob they're probably terrible. And they're, maybe they're not right for you, you know? So that's like, okay, I'll pass, you know, I'll move something, move on to, you know, something else. It's just not the right situation for you or the timing isn't right or whatever. Um, you don't get the job that you want. Well, that's not the job that you, that you, should, uh, that you shouldn't have. I mean, I think people need to reflect. If you look back at like the stages of your life, like every five years, and you think about the opportunities that didn't work out for you. And if you're, you're like, oh, thank God that I didn't say that for or, you know, it's a good thing I didn't marry so-and-so because, eh, you know, I mean, you look at it, you're like, because this is so much better and I wouldn't have found this. So it's not a no. It's just not right now. It's not, it's not that particular opportunity is not right for you. And I do believe in the universe. The universe is telling you that that's not, that's not what you're supposed to have. So you can, and you can do whatever you want to do. Like there is no such thing as, as girl jobs and boy jobs. There's jobs. Hmm. Um, and if you work hard enough, you're going to get what you want. Angie, I, I, I so appreciate that advice. I so appreciate this conversation, your insights, um, your passion. Um, what you're building in Connecticut is, um, we're a little in awe of it. We, um, we wish you the best of luck. Well, I have a lot of help, but thank you. And I, uh, I thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And um, Angie Ayanu, the co-managing partner of the Hartford, Connecticut office from Lewis Brisbane. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Mike. As we bring this episode to an end, I want to revisit Jimmy Cassis's book, Culture Eyes, for one final quote, which is attributed to Scott Eddy. And Eddy says, never lose sight of the fact that the most important measure of your success will be how you treat other people. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Angie Ayanu. If you want to reach me, I am on Twitter, at mjacopelli5. Until next time, this was a conflict of interest.